0: Your turn. <laughs> All right. At least I don't have to sing my sermon. <laughs> All right. Uh, Psalm 63, verses uh, 7 through 11, really. Uh, although in my notes, I only put down 7 and 8, but it will finish it off. I know it's hard to believe that Lord willing, next Wednesday, we'll be in the Psalm 64. Amen. I'm trying to get up to my age. <laughs> but I'm going to quit at that point in time. Anyway, revival time, and place, or you can say revival time, anytime, anywhere. But this is part five, and I kind of subtitled this. As we end it, it will be My Happy Place. Now, I don't know what your happy place is. I know that some, I I see it on on Facebook every once in a while, My Happy Place, and it's old Pensacola Beach or some beach somewhere, somewhere in the world, and uh, so on there, but... uh, uh, I think we'll discover where, I the, where the real happy place is. Amen. All right. So anyway, as we uh, close out Psalm 63 tonight, we uh, have looked at five steps that we can take when life weighs heavily on us, and it seems that we are simply overwhelmed by it all. This is not the time to give in. It's a time to dig in. Uh, there's a new phrase for us. No time, to, uh, no time to give in, but to, to dig in. Uh, and take our Bibles, and take out our Bibles wherein we have placed helpful notes along the side of Psalm 63 and begin to refresh ourselves with a mini revival. Revival time, anytime and anywhere. Amen. So we've looked at Psalm 63 in verse 1 when we said that chasing after God would precede each of these. That is to schedule a time to meet with God so we can be closer to him. Uh, secondly, Psalm 63 again, verse 1, a phrase out of there. Uh, chasing after God is to create a desire to know him. And to create a desire to know him means that the more we, we study, the more we meditate, and the more time we spend in the word of God, and then as we go through life and we deal with life, uh, it's an opportunity to, to really get to know him. And uh, I, you can't get to know him by just living on the mountaintop. God knows that. We know it, we just don't like it. Because we don't like the valleys. And we don't like the deep, dark tunnels along the way. But uh, usually it's on the way down uh, and into the valley where we learn a lot about God and where we really get to know him. And uh, the Apostle Paul, when he said that to know, to know the fellowship of his suffering is, is to know him not just because uh, he's the son of God, but what he had to go through, what he had to deal with in his life. You know, and uh, so, and still love humanity. I mean, still want to go to the cross and die so that man could uh, have eternal life. And so the Apostle Paul said, Uh, The only way to get to know that kind of love is to go through those things and to learn uh, learn about God, to learn about how much Christ really loved us. Because when we go through those things, you have to look out and say, I can't believe that the Lord went through this. And he still loved us. And he still cared about us. So uh, the third thing was Psalm 63 and verse 1 again. Uh, chasing after God. Use one's pain as a stepping stone rather than a stopping place. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the times that we suffer, whether it's emotionally or physically or financially, uh, these are opportunities for us to really get to know God. And uh, they are stepping stones towards spiritual maturity and growth. And Psalm 63 and verse 2 is uh, allow one's past to stir up our affections from past deliverances. And uh, if you've been saved for any length of time, you should have a history with the Lord. We live in a fallen world. We're all going to have trials and we're all going to have tribulations and mountaintop valley experiences along the way there. And we can look back and we see all the times that God has strengthened us, all the times that God's encouraged us. Uh, when we didn't think we could go another, another step, there was the Lord, you can go another step or two or three or four. And so then we looked at uh, the fifth one, which was Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4. was chasing after God by offering praise as a gift to God. Whoa, what was Israel's really, if, if you were to say, what was Israel known for? What would you say, biblically speaking, what they were known for? I'd <laughs> say complaining. There we go. They were a mumbling, grumbling, griping people. Uh, they were not a praising people. Now, they had praised times, but in those other times when life got a little bit difficult, when they were struggling a little bit here, uh, they complained and they mumbled and they grumbled and probably thought to themselves, we don't really deserve this. Why, God, are you doing this? Well, it's not a matter of whether we deserve something or not, but God allows those things because they're precious moments of growth. And... Uh, Getting closer to the Lord, and so tonight, uh, two last steps. Though you may find more if you were to meditate on Psalm sixty-three, and you, know, you may be able to glean more. You may be able to add to this, and that'd be wonderful. So tonight, chase after God by not allowing a heartache go to waste. In verses sixty, uh, chapter sixty, um, Psalm sixty-three, and verse seven, uh, the Bible says, "Because thou has been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice." And so uh, we've heard uh, uh, a particular party of which I'm not a part of. (laughs) So I won't be naming any party. I'll just tell you it's not the party that I belong to. And they said, never let a crisis go to waste. Use it to further your agenda and to snag on the people. That was their idea. So anyway, uh, we have here in verse 7 an allusion to God's protection. Now, it's not an allusion, but it's a reference. There might be a better word. uh, That uh, there is a reference to God's protection when we read the words, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Now, in the New Testament, we find uh, in the book of Matthew, Jesus offering this kind of protection to Israel. uh, And he he reminds them, he said, how often I would have done this, but... You rejected it. So Matthew twenty three and verse thirty seven says, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thee, uh, gathered uh, thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not." They had their own agenda. They had their own thoughts and their own ideas, and they weren't going to surrender to the Lord God at all. So it's obvious, whether young in the faith or older, that we miss the point of God's principles and expectations as God's, as God's uh, being overbearing. Lord, I didn't deserve this. And we've heard them say that many times. We don't, you know, this is not a good time. I don't know if there's, a, there's ever a good time to go through a crisis or any good time when we go through adversity, uh, we, you we have to embrace it for what it is, and that is God giving us an opportunity to draw closer to him and to allow him to work on our lives and work through our lives so that others can see how true how Christians, who true Christians, born-again Christians, mature Christians respond to life circumstances. And so the, uh, the answer is that God's not being overbearing at all. So the answer to that is, is, is not at all. God's God's principles, God's standards and expectations are there for our protection. So we may not like the, the certain things that uh, uh, standards or the expectations that God puts in his word. We may not like them. In fact, a lot, a lot of times I young know, people say, well, I'm going to read the Bible because it's full of a bunch of don'ts. I can't do anything if I, if I read the Bible and I obey the Bible. I can't do anything. Well, yeah, you can. You do know, a lot of things, Amen. Uh, but I mean, you know, that's like going around a mountainside and say, you know, I can't stand these stupid guardrails on the side where the cliff is. That's a stupid waste of time, stupid waste of money to have guardrails over there on the side. Amen. (laughs) But I mean, really, uh, the prohibitions that God does place in the scriptures or his expectations as to, uh, that we are to walk in the spirit. And that means totally surrendered, totally committed to the Lord. And a lot of people, we don't want to be totally committed to the Lord. We don't want to be committed at all to that extent. We want to be able to retain control of our life to do what we want to do when we want to do it, rather than simply say, you know what, God, I'm going to abandon my desires and I'm going to give you, I'm going to take and an, an, an adapt, uh, adopt, I should say, adopt your your desires and your wishes for my life. And so, we may not think that we need his guidance. We may not think that we need his directions. But the truth of the matter is, when we fail to grasp how cunning Satan is, how crafty he is, then we will be overcome by him. Amen? Uh, if you don't know your enemy, you can't estimate your enemy. And you will succumb to the enemy eventually. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil is, uh, the, your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he what? He may devour. He's looking for that weak moment. He's looking for that moment when you get a little bit uppity. When you cease to be humble before the Lord and, and a little bit of pride begins to well up. And so I believe that's why a lot of Christians' lives uh, are, are going I hate to use the word the "south," but you get the—you thing We get the idea. You just came out from the south, So, uh, but the the idea is that uh, the Christian life goes awry because we underestimate Satan and we overestimate ourselves. That's not being humble. Being humble is to realize that I live in a fallen world and I do need God's direction. I do need God's leadership in my life because there's a lot of dangers out there that. I can't see what's going to blindside me around the corner. God can, and so He's going to prepare me, prepare me today. Now, I'm not to say the blindside is not going to happen, but at least I'll be prepared for it. And that's the difference. Amen. And so uh, He is looking. That is, Satan is looking for the lone wolves. He's looking for the prideful. The I'm a big boy and I can take care of my myself individuals. He's looking for them because he's I got you now, and I am going to lead you hook and line and sinker along the way. So God allows us to make fools of ourselves so that when Satan has us over a barrel or flat on our faces, uh, we will flee to the Lord for protection and for shelter. And so God allows Satan to interact with us simply because we begin to realize that Satan never, ever has our best interest at heart. He cares less about protecting us. God has our best interest and he wants to protect us. And we do need protection. So David had many enemies and, and no lack of problems in his life. And through them all, he learned that God was his only protection. He really couldn't even count on his man. You remember what happened at, at, at Keilah? Uh, Keilah, uh, the uh, Jews, that he went down there to uh, chase off the enemies. They, uh, um, who am I thinking of? Why can't I think of their name? Philistines, there we go. <laughs> the Philistines. Uh, the Philistines were raiding uh, the little town of Keilah, Keilah, uh, Keilah or something like that. Anyway, It was down south, south, uh, southeast, uh, south, yeah, southeast. And uh, uh, he questioned about whether he should go down there, and God said, yes, go down. And then he asked God, he said, are they going to turn me over to King Saul because someone's going to tell about King uh, that that's where he is. And he said, yes. So, I mean, his own people. And even his own band of merry men, when uh, they had uh, sided over in with the Philistines, went to war with them, and they were chased off. They were sent back to the home, uh, the city of, uh, I'm trying to think, I think it was the city of Gath. And uh, when they got back there, the city had been destroyed, and all the wives and the children had all been carried off, and all the goods had been carried off. His own men were ready to kill him. Uh, He had enemies just about everywhere you can think of. High and low, and everybody's in between there. And so he really, in the end, God showed him that, listen, ultimately the only person you're going to be able to count on is me, your Heavenly Father. And that's true when, it comes, when push comes to shove. Now we know that as, as married couples we can, we can count on our wives, we can count on our husbands, and, and uh, the greater our love for the Lord uh, individually and, and corporately as husbands and wives, the greater our confidence and the greater our trust is in, in one another along the way. Uh, but ultimately we have to realize that even as even as a husband and a wife, we gotta our, our dependence and our protection comes primarily from the Lord. And that means we've got to be in the Word because in the word he gives us principles by which to protect ourselves, doesn't he? Uh In the premarital counseling, that's what I'm really giving these couples. I'm giving them biblical principles that can protect them individually and then corporately as a husband and wife, they can, they can protect the marriage and also can protect the family. And that's what this is all about. It's not about their handicapping us or hog tying us down to one particular thing there. These, these are God's protections, uh, safeguards, if you will. They are the guardrails of life that keep us from going over the edge and going over the cliff. And so the scriptures from Matthew 23 and verse 37, God was willing to and ready to protect Israel against the most formidable of her enemies. If she would just simply repent of her sin... And live their lives for him. He was ready to do everything. And so again. um, Psalm 3 and verse 7. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. And I subtitled that. My happy place. My happy place. Is under the wings of the Lord. I have been out from under those wings in the past backslidden and away from the Lord. I had no protection. I really had no protection. Uh, I had conscience and I had a guilt, but I wasn't living for the Lord. I was no longer under the protection of the Lord. So, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. This is the believer's happy place. Mark it down. Happy place. And of course, we close tonight with uh, number seven. Chase after God by setting out on a spiritual journey. From the moment that we're saved, we're on a journey. Amen. Psalm 63, verse 8 especially. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for for, for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. So verse 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Seeking for revival is a lot like trying to lose weight. Or perhaps maybe it's a lot like making a New Year's resolution. Which I do not do. Because I can't keep them. (laughs) But we can't eat right and exercise right for one day and expect to see instant results. Amen? We have to develop lifestyle changes in our lifestyles aimed at our ultimate goal of losing weight and being healthier. That has to be our goal, and we have to have steps to reach those goals. It will take discipline to reach the goals that we desire. Amen? And so revival is never brought about by an individual making a decision to read their Bible and to pray for one day, one week, or one month. Revival is a journey. It's a long-term journey that we uh, develop an eternal bond with the Lord. And I, I believe that um, Peter, James, and John, but of all of them, John was able to forge a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as Enoch was able to forge a relationship with God. Or even maybe the Apostle Paul. But they forged this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because they made it a lifelong commitment. So, first we must realize that revival is not an event, that a revival is a journey. David is here in verse 8 summing up his journey, which resulted in him pursuing God with all his might. He's a man who had a lot of ups. He's a man with a lot of downs, with a lot of ins and a lot of outs. He didn't make always the best of choices and didn't always make the best of decisions in his life. And he paid some dear prices for that. And so he began to put two and two together, and he was beginning to come up with four. Amen? And so this is what led to his revival. An insatiable thirst for God that caused him to chase after God. Not for a day, not for a week, or a month, but until we see him, that is the Lord, face to face. Verse 8 again says, My soul followeth what? Hard after thee. That means there's no looking to the left, there's no looking to the right, there's no looking back, it's always looking forward. And so it was the advice that God gave to Joshua when they were about to cross over into the promised land. And he says in Joshua chapter chapter 1 and verse 8, and, and, and this is that this is that uh, following after God hard it says, The book of this law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all, or according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Does that mean you won't have any problems? It means that you'll have a successful relationship with the Lord through them, and it'll be a blessing to others along the way. So... Good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got for Psalm 63, and uh, we did it all in about a half an hour. good timing. All right. I going to mention When Diane called, she said that they had Lisa down on urgent care today because she's so sore on the one side. It turns out she has very sorely, severely bruised ribs. And so I don't know exactly what happened, but I uh, at one point she said that all four of the dogs were like all over and out of the house and whatnot. So that was an aggravated thing, but she's only working search and not to do nothing anything compared to four or six weeks. Okay. So she has well, uh we could have her list. Yeah, Eric was um, operated on today. Um, whatever reason he goes to those, Albany for VA yep. and doctors, you know, it's one of those things that's like Pam She prefer the White River because the doctors are a little more uh, up on the various issues that they have in their lives. Me, I'm just not traveling that far (laughs) to go anywhere if I can help it. But anyway, so we'll have a word of prayer here for um, Lisa and then we'll have a word of prayer for Eric. And for um, Barbara Mallow is doing better. Um, She may be in remission. We don't see knows tomorrow. She's got like seven days of infusions to go through. Seven days of transfusions? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Okay. Father, we come to your throne of grace tonight and we're so thankful that we can come to you for the various needs that we have. Lord, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, Father, we, we love them, we love them dearly. And Lord, we pray that as you love them, Far, far more than we could possibly. We thank you for bringing them into our midst that we can share our lives together, our walk in the Lord together. When we think of Bart Mallow and Lord, the tremendous uh, spirit of uh, of uh, success and, and victory uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and pray that uh, as she meets with the doctors, she'll be clear in her questioning. And Lord, they'll be clear in their answers and the advice and the counsel they're going to give to her. Lord, I can only imagine that uh, being a lady who likes to be on the go and not having that opportunity now, it can be quite taxing at times, but Lord, give her wisdom to, to accept whatever council's auctions may give her, that she doesn't come out too soon, too quick. But Lord, again, we pray that you'll continue to work mightily and wonderfully in her body. We're just excited by what you have done and are doing and will do. Lord, we think of Eric as he goes, uh, as he is in uh, uh, Albany for surgery, and Lord, maybe it's already taken place. But in in any event, Lord, guide and direct the doctors. uh, It seems to be minor surgery, but uh, by the same token, it's surgery, and we pray that you'll guide and direct in in the... uh, surgical process, and as well, the doctors and uh, those who will be attending to him. And then we'll give him wisdom also, uh, that Lord, whatever advice the doctors give him, that uh, Lord, is not a um, not a matter of can do. Sometimes we just need to sit back, That's just like Jack has to sit back and take it easy and for the healing process on his foot. And we're glad and thankful for the progress that's uh, developed in the area in Jack's surgery on his foot uh, as well. Uh, Lord, uh, we think of Lisa tonight, and Lord, for whatever reason, she has these bruises on her, on her uh, left side, and so we pray that again that uh, you got infected. it won't be anything serious. It's just, uh, just maybe some bruises that'll heal and mend very quickly and very easily, and uh, Lord, she'll be back to herself, I'm back to normal. Again, Lord, we just thank you for those who have joined us online. We thank you for those who are able to make it here physically and pray that you give traveling mercies as we make our way back home. Uh, then again, Lord, we pray for this upcoming weekend. Lord, we're excited about this weekend. Again, we come together. So, Lord, uh, prepare all the hearts of those who are going to be involved, uh, musicians or otherwise, uh, that, uh, Lord, will be uh, tuned into your desire and your spirit to accomplish your desires. And, Lord, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And oh, yep, yes, Lord, thank you for bringing uh, Allison home safely and getting uh, Erica down here to school safely as well. And, again, Lord, we just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a long day.